Many unknowns still out there for college football as it wrestles with the COVID-19 pandemic. Two major conferences, the Big Ten and Pac-12, have eliminated non-league games. Will the Big 12, SEC, and ACC follow suit? Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, July 16th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, we talk with college beat writers Kellis Robinette, Gary Bedore, and Suichi Tirada. They bring us the latest at their schools, and we talk about college football in general, as in, is spring a viable option for a football season? After a break, we'll piggyback on a story Kellis wrote about the great professional athletes that attended Kansas State. We come up with lists for KU and Mizzou. So let's get going. Well, I am privileged to have as today's podcast guests an all-star crew of college writers for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, if it applies. We've got Suichi Tirada, who covers uh, Missouri, and Gary Bedore covers KU, focusing mostly on basketball, and Kellis Robinette covers the K-State Wildcats for the Star and, of course, the Wichita Eagle. And guys, I wanted to I wanted to catch up with you. We haven't talked college sports in a few weeks, mainly because there, there hasn't been a lot of hard news coming out of college. It's not that you'd expect that in July, uh, but I think it's important to update, uh, to provide some updates on where these schools stand in terms of uh, um, the, uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, where, where the numbers are, and how maybe uh, the, the news from the Big Ten and the Pac-12, which announced in last week that they were uh, each league was not going to play non-conference games, uh, and then the Ivy and the Patriot League, which are FCS leagues, are just moving their their fall sports, uh, not not participating in fall sports this year, and how that might uh, affect or impact the Big Twelve, the SEC, and, and the ACC. So, but let's just start with some simple updates. Um, Kellis, what what's the latest from Kansas State with uh, with COVID nineteen numbers? Well, it's better news than it was a few weeks ago when they had to shut down all team activities because they had an outbreak running throughout campus. Right now. They retested everybody. I believe the actual number is 190 student athletes are on campus and have been tested. And out of those 190, there are only currently two active cases. Um, one is a defensive back on the Kansas State football team. Uh, Jonathan Alexander came out on Twitter and said that he uh, had it, was feeling good, no symptoms, was expecting to rejoin the team here soon. But other than that, um, it seems like they've got things, at least for the moment, under control. And they're back working out. Uh, they're doing film review. They're in the weight room. They're running. Um, they've begun their, their summer workout program. And if they, they are fortunate enough to have a season, they've begun their first steps toward it. Well, that, that is good news, considering what the initial news was out of Kansas State and having to shut it down. And I don't know. I, I, I look at what else is going on in, in college football and maybe look at Kansas State as a you know, if, if you take care of it early and, and and use safety and health measures, you know, you can reduce numbers. I mean, I think that's what we want to do generally across the world, right? Reduce numbers. And Kansas State has done that in, in their football program. So, hey, Suichi, I know Eli Drinkwitz met with the media today. Um, any update on the, on the COVID numbers at Mizzou? Yeah, Missouri hasn't been as transparent as maybe other schools, but they did release some figures last week. There have been 10 total positive tests since they began testing uh, in early June. So 
I think people looked at that 10 number and they were like, oh, that's a little much, but you got to realize that it, it, it kind of comes in waves. It's been 10 positives in the month and a half it's been since then. So things have been good, kind of like K-State and Mizzou started mandatory workouts and training and all that kind of stuff this Monday. So if there is a college football season, uh, I, I think they're starting to feel a little better about it. Um, but obviously we, we don't know where that will lead us, but as far as getting in shape and everything, they did taking care of that. So did Drinkwood say anything specifically about, uh, about players or numbers today? Uh, not really. He had a few funny quips. He mentioned, you know, and he, and he's kind of said this before, but you can do everything right and still get COVID. So it, it sounds like they're taking it seriously. He said the numbers speak for themselves, which they do. They haven't had to shut down voluntary workouts or mandatory workouts now in any sense so in general he seems pretty positive uh he's stressed that he's you know kind of preached to his team that this is a serious thing and to wear masks and i'll have a story up later wednesday on uh com. but eli Drinkwitz really spoke about just wearing a mask and how easy that is and just you know just uh kind of the natural thing to do during a pandemic so look out for that I noticed that he wore the mask. I saw a Twitter uh, photograph of him wearing the mask, had the Mizzou logo on it. And yeah, I mean, how how simple is it? You know, just wear the mask. You want to play football, wear the mask, I think is the message that college football needs to hear these days. Gary, I know that uh, KU put out a COVID number initially a uh, couple of weeks ago. I don't. I haven't seen anything since then. Has there been a Has there been an update with Kansas? No, they haven't uh, updated anything. They're at the tail end of their uh, voluntary workout stoppage. That was on the third, and they said it would be two weeks of no football voluntary workouts. But they haven't said anything about specific numbers or anything. Uh, that's pretty good news about K State. Because KU, after K State initially had some trouble, KU that KU shortly after had had their problems, but they haven't announced anything. Right, but I know you've talked to Bill Self lately um, yeah. in the last few days. What what did what did he say about the COVID? He said uh, he doesn't really see a need to bring the team back. Uh, you're allowed to have workouts starting the twentieth eight hours a week, but uh, they might delay it till August because of all the uncertainty and the fact that uh, football immediately had to shut down after they reported, but uh, he was going to consider it some more and whether or not they're going to start voluntary on the 20th. Yeah, and and uh, they're they're already. I know there's a couple of basketball players back on campus, aren't there? Yeah, Marcus Garrett and uh, Silvio are here. Yeah, and then, uh, some of these guys are from the area now, like Christian Brown, and but he's not in town. But uh, those uh, those two guys are here, and presumably they've got plenty of places to work out. Right. Okay, so again, like I said earlier, the the big news was recently was uh, Big Ten and Pac-12 saying no non-conference games this year, and of course the SEC. Suichi, correct? Uh, bring me up to date on this. They had a similar announcement. It didn't. It had nothing to do with football, but they're going to start uh, start their fall sports or at least their uh, reporting date a little bit later. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, so essentially the three non-revenue sports that are affected are cross-country, volleyball, and soccer, and they cannot play through at least August 31st. So usually with these sports, they they kind of have a ramp-up period, and then they'll have some preseason exhibition games and some regular season non-conference games throughout August. Uh, so it doesn't affect football, but it does affect those three sports. And with the SEC, at least, essentially Greg Sankey and SEC athletic directors actually met in person, which is a kind of a novel thing to nowadays. But they met in person yeah. Monday, and they they essentially said, "Hey, we're we're still looking at it. We're we're not going to make a decision." SEC is not going to make a decision until late July. So it, it till then, it's just kind of waiting. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing, just because we should be in the middle of SEC media days in Atlanta. I was a uh, Looking forward to why it meant more uh, the propaganda machine there, but unfortunately, <laughs> um, I'm just sitting in uh, I'm just sitting home and just kind of being like, ah, maybe next year. So hopefully, uh, the digital version of that goes well, whenever that may be. I, I've been hearing sometime in August for media days. Right, Suiji. Let me assure you that when you attend an SEC media football media days, you will see why it means more in the SEC. It is a <laughs> it is a scene unlike any other on the on the media day landscape for college football with fans and uh, painted faces and um, you know, autograph <laughs> hounds. I'm sorry that you got to miss that experience this year and hopefully you'll get to um, you'll get to see it uh, firsthand. Cause it is, it is incredible. Um, not, not, not the same in the Big 12, although uh, Big 12 has its moments at Media Day in Dallas with Texas uh, media following the Longhorns, following uh, Tom Herman all over the place and, and, and Texas players. But, you know, uh, speaking of the Big 12, I, I think that the, the Big 12 and the SEC uh, are kind of in tandem on this, kind of waiting to see what each other does. And, and I think them, along with the ACC, were surprised by the the news of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 because the 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 conference commissioners Sankey, Bob Bowlesby, John Swafford, the ACC have been in, in in constant communication with each other and with with the group of five athletic or, or group of five commissioners. They were they had been communicating and updating each other, and so when the Big Ten made the announcement that it did uh, about postpone or canceling the non-conference games, I think it, it just really caught everybody off guard, including the other commissioners. So um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it was premature. You know, one school that we, we didn't talk about that, that's been in the news this week is Iowa State because of uh, you know, the, the letter that Jamie Pollard, their athletic director, sent to their fans, which made it onto social media. I thought it was a really open and honest letter about where things stand. And, you know, he was, you know, he's saying that he said in that letter, and I've read it elsewhere, that schools don't have to, the, the Big Ten and the Pac 12 didn't have to make the decision when they did. They could have waited until the end of July, early August to, to make that move. So, um, Callis, what, um, what, what's the thinking now with the football season? Or, or, am I right about this? Do, do we, doesn't, don't we have a couple of weeks, or, or doesn't the sport have a few weeks to, to, to continue to evaluate and to see where things are. And I don't know, uh, we, you don't have to decide whether to play or not, or whether yeah, they have fans do. in the stands or not. There's still time. It seems to me. Yeah, there is. And athletic directors and commissioners in the big 12, the sec, the ACC, pretty much everywhere other than the leagues that have already made their announcements are going to 
use up every single second they can of that time before they make any type of final decision because, like you mentioned in the letter that uh, Jamie Pollard put out there, football is just that important um, of uh, a vehicle as a moneymaker for these schools. Nobody wants to lose football uh, as hard as it was to cancel the NCAA tournament and whatnot last March. Um, that's still just really not anything compared to losing an entire football season moving it to spring, which would create, uh, open up a whole other can of worms. So they're going to wait. They're going to take their time. Um, this certainly is not something that needs to be decided about right now. I guess my, my only fear about things is just that uh, the, the, the way the Ivy League and the Patriot League announced that they just weren't going to participate, and then the Big Ten and the Pac-12 announcing that they, they were going to reduce their seasons reminded me a whole lot of, what we saw in March when the Ivy League was the very first conference to come out and say, we're not playing a conference championship game in basketball because we're worried about the coronavirus. Everybody kind of sat back and laughed at them and said, you guys are premature. You should wait. And then what happened two days later, you know, some schools tried to make some concessions saying we're not going to have fans. We're still going to play. And that only lasted a a few minutes before they all went ahead and canceled. So, um, you know, if you're a pessimistic guy, uh, pessimistic person, you look at that and you can certainly see the parallels and worry that that's where things are headed right now. But there is certainly time for all this to get turned around. And yeah, like, like I said, they're going to they're gonna wait and explore every option they can before they go ahead and start canceling games. All right, let me ask this um, for anyone who wants to grab it and um, it's it's a, it's an idea that has been out there sort of on the back burner for a long time, but maybe with the recent decisions by these conferences, it's getting a little more attention, and that is the thought of college football in the spring. And um, again, I, I can remember back in March thinking about that as a possibility, but then it, it just went away. But now with, with, with the Big Ten, Pac-12, Ivy and Patriot doing what they're doing, it, what I see the idea of you know coming back after the semester. Of course, the the big advantage, the big pro for this is it it gives um, you know the the it, it gives time for a vaccine to be to be developed and and hopefully distributed and basically it'll help be well on the way to finding a cure for COVID nineteen. But there are some downsides too. Suichi, what? What, what have you heard about, you know, the idea of playing college football in the spring? Yeah, I think spring football obviously opens up a whole other can of worms. I mean, hopefully there is a vaccine like you mentioned, Blair, but you, you got to think about things like what about NFL players and an NFL season and in the draft and all of these other things. You know, Mizzou has a linebacker, Nick Bolden, who is getting all SEC, all American honors. He's Gonna, he's entering his third year. What if he just opts out and doesn't play? How does that affect things? So it, there's that issue, and I think you really have to go back to the campus issue. I mean, when you talk about college football, and, I, and I've kind of told this to my friends and anybody who will listen, but you're talking college students. They're going to, you know, they're going to, one, you don't want them to party during a pandemic, but some of them, you know, they're younger. I, you know, I'm 23 years old. I kind of understand that coming right out of college. And another thing, too, is just classes. Like, what do you do when, you know, I mean, you have a small class, but it's a class of 20 kids, and then Nick Bolton or another player goes into class, and then, hey, there's a positive coronavirus test, and then that happens. So it, it really does come down to kind of the the difficulty of college sports compared to pro sports. And we, we've spoken about this a lot, just, 
you, you have unions in NFL, MLB, MLS. You can put them in bubbles like the NBA, but in college, you're, you, it's this free-flowing thing. And, it, you know, co- honestly, college campuses are kind of, you know, petri, right? They're kind of gross to begin with in terms of germs. So it, even if it does move to the spring, I, I still think you have a, no, a number of issues that, that are sold there without a vaccine. You know, Jamie Pollard in that letter also said that, um, you know, if they don't play college football in the in the fall, that their school, and I think he speaks for all the schools, loses, you know, $40 million of, you know, uh, uh, you know of, of revenue that, you know, they, they can't make up. And, uh, you know, for, you know, for salaries and, and for other things. And so that's that was his thought about the complication of playing. The other, uh, there are the others, of course. I mean, hey, Gary, could you, can you imagine, you know, on, on Kansas's campus playing football and basketball in the same yeah. months? I know. It just seems like they want to do all they can to get the TV money. And everybody's saying, oh, well, we can always play in the spring. But uh, if both sports could play, that would be crazy. But uh, it just seems like a dream where none of the ADs can fathom life without the football money. And, you know, if that means somehow cramming it into the spring, fine. But uh, I just envision a world where there's a second wave of COVID and during the normal flu virus season, which is the winter and spring, it just seems crazy to me. It seems like even though there's a spike now, if you're going to play football, you know, now's the time. Yeah, look, Soichi, you're from Michigan. Um, Gary and, and Kellis and I have lived in this area for you know for a long time. Uh, we know what it's like in January and February, yeah. and that <laughs> you know I, I don't uh, I don't think college football is going to work, and you know it'll work in the South and the Southwest and California perhaps, but not so much in the Midwest and the Northeast, which is another possible complication. I couldn't see a season really starting until until March if there is spring football. So. Blair, real All quick, right, I just want to say. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to say real quick. Uh, it would be hilarious to watch a team like Florida, or you know, somewhere <laughs> in the deep south, uh, yeah. maybe Florida or Alabama or Auburn, come to Missouri in mid-February to play a football game. I think uh, the weather will be a huge talking point that week, and I think it'd be pretty funny. <laughs> well, and this is these are these are schools that never leave their region for any non-conference game, much less uh, you know like c- coming to a you know coming to a cold weather climate. You know, anyway. Um, all right, guys, let's uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we got a couple other topics to hit, and one of which is Kellis did a great story earlier this week on the on the top professional sports athletes from Kansas State, produced by Kansas State. I wanted to ask Suichi and Gary about uh, those athletes from their school. So we'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. 
Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We are back on Sportsbeat KC with Kellis Robinette, Gary Bedour, and Suichi Tirada. All right, Kellis, what was your inspiration for uh, coming up with this list of uh, top 10? You, you listed the top 10 pro sports athletes produced by Kansas State, or at least wore a Kansas State uniform. Uh, why'd you come up with this? Well, it was actually an idea from a reader uh, when I started kind of just ranking random things to fill up space this summer with no sports going on. I said, anybody, uh, open invitation, anybody who's got an idea for one of these things, uh, let me know because, you know, best wins, best, uh, worst losses, whatever, run out pretty quick. And somebody said, why don't you rank the best pro athletes? And so, you know, that's a really good idea. So I dug into it a little bit, and it was interesting to me. I, I was kind of thinking that for sure the best pros would be like Darren Sproles or Jordy Nelson or something like that. But uh, Kansas State has a pretty good history of professional athletes that played football before Bill Snyder got to campus. And then they've got some really good basketball players who've gone on to make it in the NBA and star for a lot of seasons. Uh, I, I was surprised that I thought it might be hard to fill up a list of 10, 10 people. But, you know, if I had an honorable mention section, it could have gone pr- pretty deep. Guys like Michael Beasley didn't really even sniff, sniff the top 10 as it ended up. So it, it was a fun exercise. And I guess I was a little surprised at just how overwhelming uh, I thought Mitch Richmond was as the the top choice of anybody who's come out of Kansas State. I didn't quite realize until I dug into the history how good of a pro player he was in the NBA. Well, Hall of Famer, right? He's he's now in the in the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame, and I think that that is, you know, among football, basketball, baseball players, he would be the only one. I don't think there's another Hall of Famer in from from Kansas State. Although your number two choice of of Darren Sproles, I think is. Uh, um, on the on the fence, maybe on the right side of the fence when he becomes eligible to get into the NFL's, uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'll, r- I'll round out the top six because I thought it was really interesting. Mitch Richmond, one. Darren Sproles, two. Larry Brown, three. Soichi has no idea who Larry Brown is. He thinks he might be the coach, you know, the, the old <laughs> basketball coach. But, but when I was a kid living in North Carolina and the only game of the week back when you know, you only got one NFL game, and it was in your market, the team in your market. The team in my market was the Washington uh, NFL team, is what we're calling them now. And Larry Brown was the was the running back for that team, and he was fantastic. Great, great running back. Had no idea then that he went to Kansas State. And, um, uh, and, and what led the one season. How cool is that? Yeah, 1972, and and went um, and led Washington to the to the uh, NFC Championship in the Super Bowl, where they lost to the Dolphins. But uh, I, I'm boy, happy to see him as high as he was because he was a fantastic NFL player. Steve Grogan, number four. Rolando Blackman, number five, and then Jordy Nelson, six. I think the the like you said, Kellis. I think the reflex would have been, gosh, Jordy Nelson got to be at the top after that great career with the with the Packers and then finished with the Raiders but no I you know I the, I thought it was a really good list and and in the right spot so well done well done Kellis. all <laughs> well, right Gary you. Gary yeah. uh you've been you've been covering KU longer than any human being alive um uh so just off the top of your head let's yeah. let's come up with five let's come up with five for Kansas uh best 
best athlete or athletes that went on to the best pro careers who uh, who yeah. wore a Kansas uniform? Well, it'd probably be Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, then you got, in terms of money and what he's going to do, probably Embiid. Uh, you've got Paul Pierce, who's a Hall of Famer of the Celtics. You've got JoJo White. Uh, yep, Hall of Famer. Got, um, <clears throat> because of his college years and the fact he lasted 10 years, Danny Manning, but didn't have a great pro career because of injuries. Uh then you've got Gail Sayers, you've got John Hadel in football, you've got <clears throat> top ten, he probably wouldn't make it, but Gilbert Brown played forever on the line with the Packers. Yep. You've got uh, probably, you know, a ton more basketball, well, not a ton, but Nick Collison played forever in the NBA. Uh Chalmers played eight years and hit the big shot in college. Uh, Clyde Lavellet had a pro career, I think. He played. Yeah, a long pro career. Yep. And uh, I think know, he's I a think, I, I think, Yeah, for sure. I, and he's in the Hall of Fame, too. I think to your list, I would add John Riggins, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Bill Bridges had a nice career in the NBA. Um, and then, although th- this is a little different, and I, I, I Went to, um, uh, uh, you know, even though they didn't make money after they finished college in the way that we we understand pro athletes do now. But guys like Jim Ryan and Al yeah. Order had, you know, incredible track uh, track and field careers. And I think the best baseball player to come out of KU is probably. Am I wrong? But maybe Bob Allison, the the power hitter for the Twins back in the '60s and the '70s. So, yeah, he's the guy um, we've always um, <laughs> relied on in baseball. Remember Steve Jeltz played about yeah. <laughs> five, to, five to ten years in MLB, but um, couldn't hit. No, couldn't hit. It was with the Royals for a little while. So. And we're probably forgetting somebody in baseball. I think they've had a couple sneak into the pros, but. Um, yeah. Oh, and I'll tell you one, one, one recently that you, that would have to be considered for the list is Gary Woodland, right? Um, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Gary yeah. Woodland uh, went in a major. So. Yeah, All right. he, was, he would be – if he wins, you know, a few more tournaments for top 10, I wouldn't discount him at all. Yep. And who knows how much money Lynette Woodard made after her college career as, yeah. a, as a globetrotter. And, and uh, uh, you know, she went on to fame as, you know, as, as, a, you know, as a player after, uh, you know, after KU. And she was a four-time All-American at, at KU. So, all right. So, uh, Kellis – or no, I'm sorry. You got Hakeem Tlaib and Chris Harris out there. I didn't hear them mention. There you go. There, there. More yeah. modern football guys, right? That's a good, great additions to that list. Yeah. Okay, Suichi, um, we're here to help. We know you've only been you've been covering <laughs> Mizzou f- for less than a year, and you're not from the Show Me State, uh, but you're a smart. You're a smart guy, and um, what? Uh, g- just give me a few, and then I'll, I'll I'll fill in the rest with my list. All right. Well, I, I hear about Chase Daniel a ton. Uh, <laughs> the finesse god, the apparently, man. according to Twitter. <laughs> well, he plays for the Lions now, and obviously, I'm from the Detroit area, so he'll probably, if I had, if I were guessing, man, he probably live in a suburb very close to where I grew up. Um, <laughs> but obviously, he got Max Scherzer. He played for Detroit. Actually, Blair, before we get going, I have a great Max Scherzer story that I have to tell. I remember. Share it. 
Yeah, so Max was, he played for the Tigers. He got traded from the Diamondbacks. This is back in 2010. He had actually been sent down to AAA Toledo for a little bit. And so I forgot he had gotten called up. My family was going to a game. I checked the starters, and I'm like, Max Scherzer is pitching? I was like, man, he's got some wonky mechanics. He, he was kind of erratic in his first, you know, kind of month. Um, and so we went to the game, and I'm like kind of cautiously optimistic, 13-year-old me. Scherzer goes on to strike out 14 batters. Oakland A's that game. So ever since then, he's been the dominant Max Scherzer everybody knows. So, But before he was that, I remember uh, 13-year-old me was very frustrated with that trade. So that's a Max Scherzer story. <laughs> so you, you you had the scout on him before anybody. So <laughs> Yeah, he had that three-quarters arm slot, and I was like, what is going on here? But it, it ended up being pretty good. So uh, could not complain. Teenage me could not complain. Right. All right, so um, I think any 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 Mizzou fan would tell you that Kellen Winslow, the tight the, you know the tight end Hall of Famer, uh, probably the best athlete, certainly the best football player to produce by Missouri, and Roger Worley was is a Hall of Famer and uh, and, a, and a defensive back for the some great Tigers teams in the um, in the, in the nineteen sixties. So um, you would. No, no way for you to know unless you just were pouring over a, a media guide or some history book of Mizzou. But such athletes as I was when I was a kid, I was a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. They had a linebacker named Andy Russell who was uh, who played alongside a Jack Ham and, and Lambert, and he was uh, he was fantastic. Um, Russ Washington, an offensive lineman that, that played a long, long time in the NFL, uh, was a Kansas City guy. Justin Smith. A, a defensive lineman with a great NFL career, James Wilder, the running back, Phil Bradley, the maybe one of the best two-way athletes of, you know, of of all time, a football and basketball player, and um, Ian Kinsler. How about Ian Kinsler? I even he just stayed oh, in Missouri yeah. for one year, just one year at Mizzou. So, um, uh, and here's one here's one to really dig deep on and. Um, the, the name probably won't mean anything to you, but there was a track athlete named Jackson Jackson Schultz. Jackson Schultz. Look him up or watch the movie Chariots of Fire. Um, he, that that sort of revived his uh, his his um, reputation. He was a sprinting a gold medal sprinter in the 1920s who went to Mizzou. So anyway, any so tip of the hat to Kellis for for coming up with the idea for the list. And I had a I had a Great time pouring over the the names and and Kellis is absolutely right, just spot on about in this time of non sports, we're looking for stories to do kind of like this. Uh, I know in Kansas City we've done you know Sam Mellinger did the the fifty most influential people. Um, we've done the greatest moments in Kansas City sports history and and the most disappointing moments. And right now Pete Gradhoff and I are working on the greatest uniform numbers in Kansas city sports history and uh, including athletes from Mizzou, KUK state along with Royals chiefs and, and sporting KC and all the others. So, um, Hey, before we get out of here, there was a little piece of news that happened um, since the last time we talked, Gary, I wanted to ask you about uh, Keon Coleman. Um, speaking of, of recruiting, uh, tell us about Keon Coleman and why his uh, choice of Kansas is significant. Yeah, he's a 6'4 wide receiver <clears throat> from Louisiana, but he plays two sports. So he'll get a football scholarship here and also play as a walk-on in basketball. 
Um, he, in Louisiana, he scored a ton of points, um, but he's not ranked in basketball in the top 150 of rivals, at least. Um, football, he's a four-star ESPN, three-star rivals. Uh, but, you know, he, he had, in his mind, aspirations to play football and basketball as long as he can. So uh, he's, I think he's their best recruit or highest rated or something or other since 2000, somebody was saying. So wow. uh, that's that's the deal on him. They got him out of Louisiana where they've had some luck in recruiting lately. Right. Okay. Keon Coleman's a name to remember, and uh, and we, we will do that. So, hey, guys, this was fun. I'm glad we got a chance to catch up. We will do it again soon, especially as kind of decision time comes for <laughs> college football and, and other fall sports. So, Suichi, Gary, Callis, great talking to you, and uh, we'll do it again soon. That will do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Savannah Smith, Beth Welch, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to the college writers, Kellis Robinette, Gary Bedore, and Suichi Tirada for talking college football. And links to stories about KUMU and K-State can be found in the show notes and in the Kansas City Star, kansascity.com. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands and still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes... Sports Extra with the E-Edition. Here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus extra news, sports, and business coverage. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode.